Hi, I'm Tim Tuffle. This is an Orange and Blue Thing podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of An Orange and Blue Thing. My name's Brian Ernie. That's Darren Meenan. Thanks for jumping on board with us on this gorgeous, just a flat-out gorgeous, March 2nd evening. <laughs> Spring straining baseball. We're just in the throes of it now. We got games going on, stats to count, and judgments to pass. We're pumped, and we got a big show for you guys as a result. So let's take care of some housekeeping first, and then we'll get right to it. If you're watching on Facebook Live, hi. Thank you very much for watching. Uh, please do us a favor. Like, share, do all that good stuff. Help us spread the word about the show. If you're listening on iTunes or SoundCloud, thank you for downloading. Please rate and subscribe us. We will do our little toast here to start. Look at the size of this freaking It is a big beer. It's been that kind of week for Darren and I. And, uh, and dude... I could not be more pumped to be here right now because it's just been it's been one of those, man. It's I don't yeah, know about dude, you. This is my first beer since the bachelor party last Saturday. We actually mm. didn't talk about this at all. This we didn't know. This isn't uh bullshit. We actually didn't discuss it at all. But I've been recovering since last Saturday night, and I think it's about time I have this huge ass beer to uh, celebrate the week. <laughs> he sent me something on Sunday to look over and I like sent him a couple of things and he's just like I gotta be honest. I haven't really looked at no, it. No, you know what? You actually prefaced the whole conversation with. I doubt you're gonna do this now, but yeah. let's discuss tomorrow because uh, you're probably recovering. Yeah, but yeah, yeah exactly. Um, now that we're Suffolk County, well, you've, you're always a Suffolk County guy. Yep. Now that I'm a Suffolk County guy, um, there is no way in hell I wanted to take the train home after being out all day for the bachelor party. Sure. So like, Keith, Keith and the guys, and you know that everyone met up. We went to the Rock, watched the Devils and the and the Rangers. Rangers I, won in overtime, which I was saw cool. That I saw that. I'm still not a huge I'm not a huge oh shit I already said it I'm not a huge Brilliant hockey slip. fan even though you're gonna try to convert me to be the Islanders fan once the uh, team moves to Queens but anyway so yeah then we ventured into the city did what guys do for bachelor parties and then well, uh, what do guys do for you know the usual but then <laughs> I'm not writing anyone out but you know my wife knows what we did but um, yeah so that's what we did last Saturday and it took kind of all week for me to feel normal again I don't blame you man it's uh, people don't believe us like I talk to guys who are still in their 20s all the time and they're like. Wait, you drank last night and you need like a whole day to recover. I'm, I'm like, a few years older than you too, man. But uh, dude, just just I'm telling you, I'm telling you, all you young whippersnappers, just wait. Just well, wait. I, I always share rooms with Shoemaker, and uh, he's a really bad snore. He says he doesn't have a problem with it because he, he sleeps through the night. But anyone who shares <laughs> yeah. a room with him has a problem with it. So um, I gave him a nose strip. Like I've I've been having trouble like breathing at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the past like couple months, I don't know if just the house, you know, dry heat or whatever, but. I've been wearing it, you know, across the bridge of my nose. It's helping me sleep. I'm not snoring as much or whatever. Does I it get... really help you? Oh, yeah, totally. That's interesting. Kelly wakes me up in the middle of the night like, hey, go put, put your nose strip on. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I gave Shu one that night, and mm. it was like he wasn't even in the room. It was the most. It was the best sleep I've ever had with Shu in the room. Usually I have to put, like, seriously, in, in spring training, we'd share yeah. rooms before the baby, and, you know, Kelly and I were married and stuff. We'd go down there, and I would go to, like, the convenience store and get the earplugs, like oh, the heavy-duty earplugs just to try to sleep through the night. So not to throw shoe through Sorry, the mud shoe, but... right up the bat here, but yeah. It's... And any potential suitors that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, so what's been going on? You've been watching the games? Yeah, yeah, I have today. been. Did you see that I... back, the catch? The... Oh my God, yeah. How could that? you not? Who, who was that? Uh, geez, I just saw his name. It's it's a guy who I, I can't pr- couldn't pronounce his yeah, last anyway, name anyway. Yeah, anyway, so uh, I don't even know who was up to bat. I saw the replay. I was busy all day. I didn't get to watch. But, but the guy's known for his defense. So well, it's yeah. Like, if, if The bat was flying to the dugout. Yeah. He, honestly, he just stuck his hand out. It looked fake. 
And you know he could have broke his broke his arm. Yeah, I know. easily. He just was like eh. between that and the Cespedes home run over the batter's eye. It was that's like, what I heard. I haven't seen that either. That was a that was a rocket. Um, and then you know Walker hit one, which is which is good. So there, I mean, there a lot of good indications. Um, I think some of the prospects look good. We'll talk about that a little later. But uh, I I really like what I'm seeing so far, and I like that you know everybody besides the captain is healthy right now, which we should probably talk about because it's a bummer. Yeah, I think we'll get to it later. We have some stuff going on, on the show, and if if you've seen the posts and the and the, I'm so uncomfortable. I gotta get new chairs, man. Yeah, these things like every time I move, it makes noise. I'm sitting here like over an hour, hunched over. But anyway, you gotta invest in some chairs. But anyway, so I'm trying to stay close to the mic here. Um, we do a voice memo uh, portion of the show now for the past couple of weeks, and uh, we've been getting a lot of submissions. And if we don't get to yours during the week, if it's something that we think we might talk in future episodes, we'll save it. We'll put it in the vault and get to it. But we do have some coming up, and we might touch on David Wright yeah, in, that's true, in the yeah. future here. So let's not jump ahead of ourselves. But um, we're going to be joined by Nelson Figueroa today. Um, we're, I'm, I'm a fan of his. I think Huge he's fan. been doing great work in SNY. Yeah. And um, obviously, he had a Mets career. He's a local guy, and he's uh, a supporter of the Seven Line. He, he rocks some of our stuff for once in a while, so it's cool to have, have him on the show later on. And we also have some huge breaking news. We do. That I told you about, mm -hmm. and I told a few people about, but um, even Shu earlier was like, hey, what's this news? I got some texts from people that work for the team that yeah. I'm friendly with. And they're like, hey, what's uh, what's this breaking news? I, said, I guess you're gonna have to watch the show. You're gonna so, have to watch. Uh, I think it's if you sit with us, you're definitely gonna be excited. Um, so we'll get to that in, in in a little bit. But we're gonna move right along to our post of the week here. Uh, no usual rhyme or reason, just things that we think you might care about or think are funny. So uh, mine's first here from uh, Clem, Clem from Barstool. Yeah. Everyone's been so down on Tim Tebow, and I think that, um, you know, I wrote on my personal Twitter account, I think it was yesterday, like, all the hate is making me want him to succeed even more. Uh, I don't think he'll ever sniff the bigs, and, you know, who knows if he thinks he will either, but the there's no harm in trying, and I think the argument from a lot of people is, well, now he's taking a roster, roster spot from someone else, but that other guy probably has a slim to no chance either if he's taking their spot at this point in, in this level in the game, you know what I mean? So um, is it a publicity stunt? Is it is it good for the team? Is it good for um, them to make some money off of uh, selling jerseys? Yeah, whatever. You know, if it sells tickets to the minor league games and it makes going to the Cyclones game more exciting this summer, I'm all for it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see the big deal. First of all, he's not taking anybody's spot right now. He's not taking playing time from anybody right now. Uh, if he, he, one less minor leaguer might get an invite to camp. First right. of all, if one less minor leaguer can sell the most jerseys in, you know, a quarter or whatever, then then they would get an invite to minor league camp too. It, to a degree, it's a business, and Tebow has a huge following. And I told you when he first signed, I was like, dude, his stuff is going to sell. His merch is going to sell, especially. Yeah, I think you thought we were going to make some seven line stuff because I said the orange and blue with the tie in with Florida. I mean that that just there right. is the there are there's a huge contingent of Mets fans in Florida. He's a god in Florida. I mean. He's like a guy. Well, he's from Florida, Florida yeah. Like, yeah. But, I mean, it's the kind of thing where there's not going to be anything anytime soon. We're not making any no. Tebow stuff. But I think that people think that when I make a positive comment about a guy like him, they think it's like a marketing ploy. Like, now I'm going to yeah. roll out the T-shirts next week. Not but yet. I, I'm not doing that. But um, Not until he cracks a big league roster. No, back when I made Jets T-shirts, I totally I cashed in on that. I have one of those. But, uh, anyway, that's, that's the past. But, yeah, so the post here was from Clem. ESPN, a guy named David Fleming, wrote um, a piece, and, and the headline was, As Tim Tebow faces possible humiliation at Mets camp, he's easy to mock, yet he's just as easy to admire. And I think, I don't, I think this, is, this, is like, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, do you really think uh, the way 
that Tebow is and as outspoken as he is and especially public prayer and being the way he is, do you think this is going to be the thing that actually humiliates him? No. So Clem from Barstool, big Mets fan, shout out to Clem. He actually had to wait till like the third round of apple beanies to get one and he was, and he was pretty disappointed. He was saying he was going to sleep outside the warehouse, but uh, yeah. So Clem responded to that. He says, I know another guy who faced humiliation while being both mocked and admired and he had, and he performed miracles. So See, obviously he's hinting towards the big man. Jesus, I like him very much. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Clem. Shout out to Tebow. I'm pulling for you, dude. I doubt you watch this, but uh, I'm pulling for him too, man. I, I just don't get it. I know you thought that I disagreed, but I don't. I mean, as a as a guy who has a lot of ball player friends that that have, I think, have deserved shots. Um, I got to be honest with you. I don't have a problem with this because one, it's a business, and two. Listen, you can count his batting practice home runs. Are we counting batting practice home runs? No, we're not. But the fact that the guy's mashing in batting practice is at least indicative that he's worth a, a, a look. I think I texted you about this too. Is there any kind of drug testing um, when you when you sign a guy or give him and you invite him to to, to camp? I think. Well, I he's think huge. Once he, he's a big, boy. he's a freaking beast. Yeah, but I think he's a freak of nature. I think he's a freak athlete. People think that oh, he had a bad throwing motion in football and he's not a good athlete. That's crazy. The guy's a freak. He's a the Heisman Trophy winner. He's a national champion. I mean, I, put, put me on a Division One college football field and I'll crap my pants. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's just this guy. This guy's a freak. So, um, but I don't know what what the testing thing is before if there's some kind of whatever union in minor league. I don't know, I don't but know. he's an animal. Well, so. there's not a union in the minor league. We know that, but I don't know what the deal is. It is very stringent down there. Uh, we'll go to my post of the week, and this is actually from my mother. Uh, That's so, awesome. <laughs> which is hilarious. So, okay. I so like that. It, I, I love that your mom's on social media. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right. Take it back. No, no, no. My mom is very social media savvy. But they were at um, opening day at Ed Smith uh, Stadium, which is down in Sarasota, Florida, their former home. Uh, and they're they're moving back to Long Island. For those of you who know me, they know that I'm very excited about this, and it's a big deal for me. But um, they were at the opener. Orioles and somebody, not the Mets, by the way. And this guy is in the stands wearing an Antonio Bestardo road Chinese knockoff jersey. <laughs> now, my mom takes his picture. Apparently, this guy watches the show, the show supposedly. Yeah, so it says in the comments here. Says, um, you never know what you'll see at the spring training games. Check out this guy in a Bestardo jersey. Yes, we talked, and he said he's a fan of orange and blue things. So I got to know why. Sorry that Brian just shit on your jersey. Yeah, sorry, but... man. But I got to know why, man. I, I, if you're going to get a fake jersey, it's going to be a Bestardo? Yeah, well, like – Maybe it was just he thought it was funny because, like, bastard, like, bastard or something like that. I don't know, but why – if you really are out there, dude who met my mom at a spring training <laughs> game, please tell me why you have an Antonio Bastardo jersey. Please tell me why you're still wearing it. And then I'm going to show you where actually you can find Antonio Bastardo game-used jersey for, like, 80 bucks on eBay, and it'll look a lot nicer than that if you really have the affection for the guy. So, I just love that your mom, like, walked behind this guy. That Either she talked to him first or talked to him after, but, like, totally just – Sniped a photo of his back and sent it to you. Knowing funny. my mother, she probably had him pose for it. But yeah. uh, but somebody said in the comments, it's probably a bet. I, dude, you'd be surprised. Some people get jerseys of the weirdest ass things. <laughs> I always wanted one when I was in college of uh, Kosuke Fukudome, who used to play for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, you, fuck, yeah, you, fuck do you do me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, see, I mean, I'm not above it either. So. Yeah. So that's my post of the week. Yeah. Uh, uh, a very interesting find by by Joan Ernie down in uh, Sarasota, Florida. So I'm going to give a shout out to the youth, the future of the Mets. I'm at Rosario here. He doesn't have nearly as much followers as he should. He's been, um, you know, I think he's been a fan favorite so far down at spring training. Yeah. He was in the game the other day and he had some uh, some great plays. And I think 
uh, maybe Gary said, like, the buzz in the stadium when he's playing, like, everyone's chattering about him. Everyone's mm-hmm. talking about him. So uh, he's my guy this week. And I actually did a little homework on him because I didn't really know the backstory of his age and where he's from. So he's 21 from the Dominican Republic. Last year, he played at St. Lucie uh, for 66 games. He batted 309 with 13 stolen bases. I think he's has a very, very fine future ahead of him. And you know what I like about him, too, is he has this hashtag he uses when he when he posts stuff. It says, um, don't be surprised, be ready. Yep. And maybe I just totally screwed no, that I up. I think that's right. But I think that's a great mentality to have. And like, I, I always push like positive PMA, positive mental attitude. But like, don't be surprised, be ready is kind of along the same lines. Like, yeah. Be prepared. You never know when you're going to get the call. Don't slack. You know, not, don't want to throw his, his future counterpart under the bus. But Dom Smith... Gained like thirty pounds last year or whatever. He put it he dropped it before this spring. It, yeah. But I mean, that's the kind of thing where if he's if he's always in the mental state of being ready, mm-hmm. when he finally gets the call, he's gonna be ready. You I, know what I mean? Yeah, I think this is a future all star. Um I, I know he's drawn a lot of comparisons to Jose Reyes. I know he idolized Reyes growing oh, yeah. up. The Dominican shortstop. He's a shadow right now down there. Oh, yeah, and, and it's great because if there's a guy you want to learn from, I mean, uh, Jose is definitely the guy. He's thrived in New York. So uh, I, I'm, I'm psyched about Rosario. I'm not going to – I don't want everybody to go nuts because I think prospects, they all need their own time and they need to do it on their own timeline. But this kid's got the goods, man. Yeah, so I didn't say his Twitter handle, but it's, it's just his name, A-M-E-D underscore Rosario R-A-R-O-S-A. R I O damn I think I'm drunk already. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. We didn't even get to any of our any of the bulk of the show I'm yet. Too but... drunk to read this handle. <laughs> yeah. So follow him. Uh, he's very active on there. So he's yeah. always posting cool photos and you know people tweet him videos and stuff and he always retweets it. So definitely give him a follow. Definitely. Uh, we'll go to my follow of the week and it is coming up. Um, in just a moment. <laughs> yeah. Once our, once it's our... a little, little tough to do everything on the one side of here. So if, if people are wondering why I'm always looking to the side, this is where the computer is that I. And I'm I... looking to the side so I can just see myself. Yeah. Oh, hello. So, yeah, we're going to get to Brian's follow here in just one second. I should have been ready, but here we go. All right. This is my follow of the week. It's Chris Duell. It's at Duel D-U-E-L-L, 76, which is... Uh, is his birth year? Probably. Yeah, I assume Probably so. Probably a few years he, older than me. I was well, born in I was going to say, because he looks great for his age. Oh, you say. know what I forgot to say about Rosario? What? Totally should have talked about this a second ago. But looking up his age, I feel like when I was younger, I was always like, oh, this guy's like my age. He's on the team. That's going to oh, be awesome. Geez, don't and now it's the me. kind of thing where it's like, you know, when we were younger he's... and someone's like, I'm old enough to be your dad. But like, honestly, he's 21. I'm 36. It's scary. There was kids in my high school. I mean, unfortunately, you know, yeah. or fortunately, whatever. I don't think they were planning it, but like 16 and pregnant type shit. I could almost be a Rosario's dad. It's scary, man. You see so yeah, like, anyway, so the, the birth year is in like Sorry to jump all over Crystal's follow. That's okay. Uh, but yeah. anyway, so Crystal <laughs> is my follow of the week, um, also known as the flag guy. Yes, he's that guy with the seven-line army flag that you've seen in Cincinnati and Chicago. He he's gave for, it to Murphy. He did give it to Daniel Murphy uh, to celebrate the NL East clincher. Yeah. Yep. Um, Chris came to the Seven Lines' first road outing in Chicago in, at Wrigley Field because he's from Chicago. You brought the well, fun to him. He, yeah, he's, he's from there. He's, fr- he's from, he's from Chicago. There, but he's moving to New York soon. No, uh, or, dude. Or, he's or... from Chicago and he has season tickets with us at I know. City Field. I do know that. But I know that I know he has, oh, I I think he has aspirations. Maybe. I have no idea. But honestly, people complain about like, oh, I got to drive from here yeah. or there. Or I live too far from City Field to go to games. <laughs> yeah, to any Islanders fan that's bitching about Brooklyn, yeah. Yeah, this kid comes from freaking Chicago. He commit over $1,000 to the, the season ticket plan with the Seven Line Army, and he's going to travel to from Chicago to New York 14 times this year, plus playoffs, plus 
World Series. I right? love it. I love it. it uh, well, so, yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously, totally, totally loyal. Probably, absolutely, absolutely, the farthest person that lives from City yeah. Field that sits with us and comes consistently. There's another guy in Virginia. Have you ever seen the back of his jersey? Says VA Mets fan. He yes. he makes the trip up as well. It's awesome. So these guys are freaking diehards, man. It just shows goes to show you uh, what we got in the section and, and what kind of passion we got. And also, Chris, a musician too. So if you're interested, you can check out his Twitter or his Instagram. He's always uh, he's yeah, I always think it's, it's, it's a it's a band. And I think him and the girl in the band are dating now. I don't, you know, so that hope, good luck with that. Solid. Uh, he's been posting a lot of lovey-dovey stuff lately, like you know, hugging and kissing and stuff. You know, the, the mushy, the mushy Instagram stuff. So uh, it's, it's that phase. Well, yeah, it's new. So yeah. that's it's the new phase. But anyway, good luck to Chris. Good luck with everything out there, and we'll see you soon. He's going to come out to the party at Mulcahy's Is on he? the 18th. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, yeah, awesome. Chris, that's my follow of the week. So moving right along here to clip of the week, yes. we try to like highlight stuff that either happens with our group or things that we see on the internet that week or or whatever. And um, this is something that was hilarious, and I was so confused by it because I woke up in the morning and I was like, "What the hell? I, what is this? And what is what is the relevance of this?" And you you sent me a text. We're both yep. we're both relatively new dads, so we don't sleep, and we and we text. It's each not other weird at six to text morning. at like six in the morning. The sun's not even <laughs> up. I'm already texting you. So. <laughs> Um, you text me like the clip or the link to the tweet, and I was like, "Yeah, I saw that already." But yep. anyway, so uh, let's uh, preface a little bit of the story behind this before we show the clip. So, yeah, so uh, if you saw the New York Times article about Mike Piazza last week, it was a great um, feature about how he owns a uh, third league soccer team in Italy, and there was you know question: Why would you want to own a third team soccer team in Italy? Wouldn't you want to maybe own an MLS expansion franchise? And he said something to the effect of, I would much rather own, uh, you know, live in Italy than live in St. Louis. You can't get a good meal in St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah, the exact quote from Piazza says, I'd rather be poor in Italy than based in St. Louis. You can't get a good meal there. So um, he little did he know he was going to run into Nelly, uh, the man yes. himself, a couple days later. So here's the clip. I got him. I got him under control. We're not going to let him get away with that. He's okay. We're going to have him come down and eat on the hill. I got him. I got him under control. We're not going to let him get away with that. He's okay. Yeah, so I don't know what that was about. They probably were just at like some function together. And um, Piazza looked Piazza like, looked a little toasty. Like he that. had a few, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mike which, looked like he was a b- couple of bottles of red wine in on that one. I've heard stories of Piazza, like you know, into the into the metal scene and you know yeah. all that stuff. And oh, you yeah. know, he probably enjoys a cocktail here or there. But <laughs> good, good for uh, him. So, I don't know so he, do we. Yeah, totally. I don't know if he was um, uh, at a party or how this happened, but I don't know. That's awesome. It's great. First of all, I'm. And they had is, a good time with it. You know what I mean? Like he, he re- did. Piazza retweeted it, and he was like, "You know what? You know, maybe I was wrong. I'll, I'll go. I'll go check out some spots." But the funny part about it is, it's it's kind of seems like out of character for Piazza to yeah, well, to kind of like bash a, a city. You know? I don't know if he, maybe it was just like tongue in cheek. It was everywhere. It was like St. Yeah. Louis news channels were making this like a big deal. Well, like, St. Louis Mets takes. Hall of Famer. I think St. Louis takes everything too seriously. You you have the second best barbecue in your friggin' state. I mean, let's come on. Let's let's be honest. We'll be there soon. Yeah, I know. Well, you can find out if you can get a good meal. And I'm a big Nelly fan. I, I obviously I look like it, but I actually you need the, you need the uh, bandaid. I, on your face. There are so many pictures of me from high school and early college with a bandaid under my. No, there's eye. not. Why? Yes, for that? For because I was inebriated, and I, you know, <laughs> and you know, Nelly came on. Of course, I don't know. I had some Barbie bandaid or something. Some girl gave me, and it happened. It happened. It it happened. And anybody who's watching that knows me in high school knows it happened. So. 
So uh, we're going to get uh, Figgy on the line here for a second. If you want to um, sit tight, yeah. this is the portion where afterwards Keith chops it out. So give me one second, and Brian will ramble about something for a second. Yeah, we'll ramble about a bunch of things. Um, oh, I'll talk about my latest quest I've been on on Twitter about Jay Bruce and Michael Conforto. If you want to check out my Twitter feed, at Brian Ernie, you can see it on the screen right below me. Um, I've been going on and on about how Jay Bruce is – not it's not even against Michael Conforto. It's against uh, uh, really against Lucas Duda. Why do you Mets fans not appreciate Lucas Duda more? Go look at his baseball reference page. You, you'll like what you see. I promise. I promise. I don't really understand it. People, everybody wants Jay Bruce to play first base. If Lucas is healthy, he's a better offensive player. So that's all I got to say about that. And if you want to come at me on Twitter, well, just be nice because I got other stuff to do and other stuff to worry about. <laughs> Yeah, dude, but what's funny about you, – you said beautiful day when we started the show. Um, we've had – this is our 10th episode. And yeah. you know, you didn't do the whole follow and all that stuff in the beginning. I did. You did? I did. Maybe I was zoning out. I was, I was drinking. But, <laughs> he doesn't, um, doesn't even listen to me anymore. I don't know. It's dude, like we've been married for 15 years. 10 episodes in and, uh, you know, uh, I'm losing track. But anyway, yeah, so we've had like crazy weather yeah. almost every week. So it's either super hot or snowing. It uh, snowed three out of the ten days. And then, like, Saturday, it's going to be, like, 25 Last week, degrees. you almost took my head off. Yeah, it's supposed to snow maybe yeah. tomorrow morning, and it, it's, like, 60. But uh, sorry to ramble for a second. We're just getting Nelson on the line. He's a former pitcher who spent parts of nine seasons in the major league, a former Diamondback, Brewer, Pirate, Philly, Astro, but most importantly, a former Met. Started 32 games in the orange and blue. A New York native, you can catch him now as an analyst for SNY on Mets pre- and post-game coverage, as well as the network's various studio shows. It's Nelson Figueroa. Nelson, Brian and Darren live here on Long Island. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yo, dude, are you rocking the catcher hat? Of course. <laughs> That's awesome. Starting it off right. But, yeah, so we, we ask every every guest this when they come on. We've only had a few now, but um, we know that you're a local guy. So did you grow up as actually – were you a Mets fan or uh, or just tell us about it? I grew up as the only Mets fan in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. So I was born in Coney Island. Um, I always used to play those pickup games where, you know, you were either the Mets or the Yankees, and I was a one-man team. I had to imitate all the batting stances, so I had everybody down, Dykstra, Mookie, Backman, all the way down the line playing against all my friends who wanted to be Yankees, and uh, it got me opportunities to, I guess, get more at-bats and uh, learned how to switch hit that way because I had to be all those lefties that the Mets had. And, uh, yeah, no, man, I grew up with the orange and blue, and I've always been a diehard. Did you have a favorite player back in the day? Uh, Dwight Gooden. I mean, without a doubt, that was the guy for me that was just, you know, groundbreaking. when He get, came up from the minor leagues and uh, put on that Met uniform and became Dr. K with the big Nike mural oh, yeah, on uh, 42nd. So that, that to me, was uh, everything, just to see that guy and, and the potential that he had back then was amazing. And I got to hang out with him at a fantasy camp this year for the first time in my life. And I was like a little kid. You know, I bring up like, that. Okay. I used to bring up that uh, billboard a lot. Back when I was promoting Take Back New York, you'd, we'd get shit from the Yankee fans. Been like, you guys never own New York. I'm like, man, I was only six back when Doc, like, you know, was the man. But the Mets fucking ruled this city. You they know what I mean? Are you kidding did. me? Like, um, so yeah, like you hit the nail on the head with that one. So yeah, I mean, the Mets totally owned New York back in the day, and I think they did take it back. So when we went to Yankee Stadium last year, our shirts actually said "Took Back New York." So it was a little jab at the Yankees, but. 
Yeah, oh, so yeah. you guys you guys don't do anything by accident. Let's not get that. <laughs> Thanks for noticing, man. So true, so true. Oh, yeah. So Nelson, you know the Mets draft you in 1995. That that had to be a thrill for you. Um, and so it, but a little bit of a roller coaster because a couple of years later you got you got moved to Arizona. Um, when that's where you broke into the majors. So that first trade, especially from a franchise that you grew up rooting for, um. Is that the hardest to kind of emotionally overcome where you've been drafted by this team you grew up rooting for and now they're they're dealing you? What 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 kind of emotionally does that do to what kind of toll does that take? Well, when it happened, I remember just sitting there in the office and John Gibbons was my manager in Double A. So, you know, I was I went in there and he says, "Congratulations, you've been moved up to Triple A." And I was like, "Well, we only got a, almost a month left and our team has been doing so good. I just want to stay here. I just want to keep doing what I'm doing." I said, I, I don't want to go. And then he said, well, it's also going to be with another organization. Oh. And it turned into like that Charlie Brown moment where everything was just womp, 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 womp. Yeah. I had a big old lump in my throat. I couldn't get the words out. I just sat there listening to him say, you know, you know, pack up all your stuff. You'd be in contact. And, you know, the, the, the Mets brass are going to call you and let you know what, what's next. And I remember it was, you know, it's like I got kicked in the gut. I, I was like, why? What did I do wrong? That was exactly my reaction. And I didn't want to go. And they said, you know, it's a tremendous opportunity. It's a new team. You know, you'll be in the big leagues a lot faster. And so I got on the plane and, of course, with a heavy heart and uh, headed over to Arizona. But I'll tell you what, man, I, I came up and uh, when I signed, my first uniform I put on was I had Dwight Gooden's pants and Howard Johnson's jersey down in um, extended spring. So to me, it was like that would have been enough to just – Say, hey, I made it, but, you know, I, I wanted an opportunity to always put on the uniform. And so that long journey just to get back and put it on made it even more worth it. I mean, I can't believe that you kind of really ever get over that. But what I will say, though, is that, you know, through over the over the course of your career, you had some similar moments. But I think you should get the indirect 2001 World Series MVP because you're a part of that deal that brought Kurt to the uh, <laughs> desert. So I think I think you should get like a like an indirect championship belt made or something. Something, like that. right? <laughs> That's it. Well, let me let me just ask you this: um, after the ten years with the with you moved on to Milwaukee and Pittsburgh, you had stops um, in Mexico and Taiwan and Venezuela. As fans, we hear a lot about the culture clash, right? Um, the language barriers that you kind of that Americans go through when they do play in those leagues. Um, but you know, we as fans, we don't have any really tangible evidence of that. So, um, what's it like for an American guy to to go down and and either go to Mexico or to Taiwan where you don't speak the language and and all that stuff? Well, uh, well, I did speak Spanish, thank goodness, and I learned my Spanish. Well, you know, my ability to use my Spanish. Mm -hmm. I'm poor, born um, Puerto Rican. I wasn't raised to speak a lot of Spanish. They wanted me to really focus on English and to uh, get my education, be the first one to graduate from high school and my family and go on to get a college degree. So once I got into college, you know, brushed up on some Spanish. But once I started playing, it was so many Latin players who didn't speak much English at all that I really kind of dove in the to help them out, and I wound up picking up my uh, Spanglish that was from all over the world. So I had some Venezuelan, some Dominican, some Mexican Spanish all thrown in together, and uh, eventually it really helped me out because once I got to play in those countries in the uh, off seasons to help further my career, you know, I, I was able to just blend in wherever I was and assimilate very well. So a lot of Mets fans are familiar with you from 0809, you know, with the with the Mets. So do you have a moment that sticks out in your memory as, like, your favorite or your top moment with the team? Oh, man. My top moment? I know that day one was was pretty amazing of uh, 
getting an opportunity to just be back after surgery for four years. Um, I was, I had my surgery when I was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, didn't know if I'd ever kind of get back, um, fought my way back, uh, you know, with that traveling around the world. I pitched 280 innings the year before I signed a minor league deal with the Mets. Wow. Um, get a chance to go to spring training, almost make the team last guy cut. And 48 hours later, I get called back up after Pedro tears his groin. So, I mean, that first moment back would have been great, but I guess that first start, a lot of people saw that, you know, Shea Stadium, that foggy night against the Brewers. I had 120 people in the stands, all my family and friends. And then, you know, Wagner gave me his uh, suite. And so I had my mom, dad, my grandparents up there. So that to me was kind of, my one moment, you, you don't get a, a, often an opportunity to leave your mark in this game. And so to win my first game in a Met uniform, you know, Brooklyn kid, I think I was one of three guys who are Brooklyn or New York born pitchers to win their debut. Matt's, of course, yeah. um, got to do it after me. Um, and then I, between that one, I, I guess it's the bookends. There's that one. And then there's, of course, the one at the end. My last start was the complete game shutout. At I, was Field. So, yeah. I was there for that one. I was there for that. That was a good got one. A chance to. Yeah, get a chance to leave your mark, and so you don't you don't get many opportunities to do that. So for me, I, I guess that that's really the two that stand out. Unfortunately, it was a few years before the Army, but uh, I was there with like six friends. We were watching you right right behind the Mets dugout, but that was a great game. Uh, for those for those of, uh, that are watching that don't know, complete game four hitter. Uh, it was the final day of the season, right? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, I became a cult hero for that year because a lot of people, you know, sitting there with fantasy football playoff implications, and they're <laughs> sitting there in the championships, going, "Well, who am I going to put?" And they're like, ah, "I guess Figueroa." There's nobody really else that because that last day, a lot of people don't pitch. You know, none of the big names are going to pitch. So some people threw me in. They had a complete game shutout in there, and they wound up winning the championships. Darren Meenan and Brian Ernie talking with former Mets pitcher and current SNY analyst Nelson Figueroa. Um, Nelson, you alluded to your Puerto Rican heritage. Um, you got to play in the WBC a couple of times. Um, you made the all-tournament team in 2013, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the things that made it really hard to try and get ramped up to make a comeback here. And I've been doing the uh, SNY job for the last two years. And I talked to a team Puerto Rico. They thought about making with this lineup that they had. I was like, man, if I could pitch – It'd be a great opportunity to do it with these guys. Um, and uh, it was one of the things that made it really hard because I kind of went out on a high note with that. Those uh, games I pitched in the WBC against Team Venezuela and yeah. Team USA. So, um, yeah, no, it was incredible. Again, you, you you get out there and you try to be the, you know, the little dog showing up against a team like Venezuela with all the all-stars and, you know, silver sluggers and everything else that they had. We knocked them out the tournament and then to face team USA, of course, that's the, the big one. So, um, it was a tremendous experience and, uh, would have loved to have been back in some capacity as a coach probably now because I hadn't played in two years, but yeah, definitely something that, uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm excited about the team Puerto Rico's opportunity this year. Let me ask you a question about that. Um, as an American-born guy, um, a lot of we we actually had a fan question that I thought was really applicable. They were talking about um, guys who maybe are American, but they're of Puerto Rican heritage or they're of Israeli heritage or whatever. Um, I don't know if a lot of fans know how much it means to players to represent their heritage as opposed to necessarily their birth country. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and talk about what it meant to you to play for Puerto Rico? Well, for any immigrant whose family has come over, um, you know, I'm third generation, uh, you know, you're really playing homage to your, to, you know, your grandparents, you know, and, and, and 
that to me meant everything to uh, put that uniform on uh, while my grandfather was still alive and, and be able to, to say that I took part in, in a team that was, you know, the Puerto Rican all-stars basically and to, to get a chance to do that was very special, you know, in, in 2013, um, again, you get invited to do it. It's an honor. It's a challenge. Um, I look at, you know, two guys in particular, look at uh, Stanton and Arenado. You know, those two guys could actually play for Team Puerto Rico as well. So imagine how deep that team could be Jeez. with those two bats in it. So for me, they, you know, they went and they, they play for Team USA and you, you tip your cap to them. But that for me, for any kid who's Puerto Rican, you take that little thing with you, a little chip on your shoulder and want to show them, hey, maybe they made the wrong choice and find a way to knock them out of the tournament. Yeah, so we got a fan question here from our buddy Justin Mendez. Big hypothetical, but if you can come back for just one game, what team are you playing for, who are you facing, and what catcher are you throwing to? So it's three, Ooh, there's a three-part question. Three, but It's a, it's a big three-part question. Uh, you know, again, I, if I'm coming back, I think i got to come back in the blue and orange, and don't think I didn't have some dreams, <clears throat> some crazy dreams of last year when everybody went down. Uh, <laughs> I was sitting there going, all right, we don't even know who's left. I was like, I'm going to start getting loose and see what happens. You never know. We, we, everybody saw the rookie, you know. You never know. I might get out there and, and throw and feel great again. But um, it definitely would have to be for the Mets. It would definitely have to be um, my catcher. I mean, is this like Field of Dreams? You can bring back the old guys. Yeah, whoever. Yeah, 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 anybody. <laughs> I, I think of anybody, I, I, I know Molina and I worked great together that one game, but still you got to think when you think uh, Puerto Rican catchers, Pudge, yeah. Pudge yeah. stands out to me and I'd love to uh, get an opportunity to throw it him again. This time I won't be as afraid as I was the first time in the WBC where it was like, okay, whatever you say, Mr. Pudge. And yeah. I didn't think that went over very <laughs> You didn't well. want to shake him off, did you? <laughs> no, no. And that was the same thing with Molina. Molina, yeah. we were in such a great groove, you know. I was like, finally I had a catcher where there was – zero doubt you know what i mean sometimes you, you go back there and you want to be on the same page and you want to say okay this guy knows what he's doing this guy knows exactly what the game plan is you you want to go out there and say okay this guy definitely gets it you know but everybody's human when it comes to machines like those two guys there's no reason to not have faith that this guy knows every finger he's putting down what reason it's not a guess you just know this guy knows a little bit better than you do because he's faced all these hitters before so many times in the catcher's box, and he knows their tendencies. He knows what to look for. And you have nothing but utter faith, and so that gives you nothing but the focus to execute your pitches, and I was able to do that at a very high level with those guys. So who, who's, who's the batter? Yeah, who, yeah, who's, yeah what team the batter, the batter? You get to strike batter, somebody out. Who, who do you want to knock down? Let's see. You know what? I, the one guy, I mean, I've, I've struck out some – Big names. I mean, I've, I've struck out Sosa, struck out Chipper, struck out Barry Bonds. The one guy I could not strike out, and I got him out a bunch, but I couldn't strike him out. So if I could get a punch out to end the game, it would have to be Pools. Ooh. I mean, that, that that guy, he just he found a way to get the bat on the ball, and I got him out. And I remember coaches would come over to me from different teams whenever I got him. And like, you know, Pools is batting like a buck ten off you. What do you? They go, what do you do? What's the secret? I was like, secret? I didn't even know he was. Now that I know, now I'm all messed up. I'm, now I'm going to be thinking about it. But it was really all it was with me was that he would kind of be looking for either pitch, a certain pitch or a certain location. And I constantly had to mix it up. And so I, I found out that, you know, if he's looking for me to be a guy that's a sinker ball, looking for balls low in the zone. I would throw him change-ups up in the zone. 
So it's hard to recognize the pitch and the location at the same time. It kind of, you know, the machine kind of got fried. He was thinking too much and he wound up getting himself out. And so I had to go with that tactic was this guy's so good. You know, it's like the, the Tony Gwynn theory, the best chance you got is throwing it right down the middle and letting him get himself out because he's thinking too much of what he should do with that easy pitch. That was kind of one of the things I went with with him because I thought if I went with all my nasty stuff that I could, I'd bounce him first of all. He'd take it. Now I'm behind an account. And then I got to come back with a fastball. And that's all he's sitting on is looking for that fastball somewhere down in the zone around the knees so he could drive it. So it was, uh, it was my greatest challenge was to try and strike out. For sure. So that's like um, who owns Harper? Is it Harvey? Harvey owns Harper? Yes. Yeah. So yes. it's like similar, similar. Oh yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. And and, and for, but for him though, he was able to throw those high fastballs. Harper has that hole up in the strike zone, which he's now kind of made the you know made some changes and, and figured out how to uh, get to that ball at least to foul it off. Now he seems to be sitting on those change ups now after those high fastballs. Up, yeah, I was gonna say up way. up and away, yeah. right, Nelson? I'm up liking the up, whole up way, man. Everybody followed suit, and the Mets. Were, I mean, the year he won the MVP. He crushed everyone else, and the Mets dominated yeah. him because they had that game plan. Yeah. I don't know if it's just for the fans or for the hype or whatever, but I'm liking the rivalry right now between Noah and Harper. I think it just adds to the game. <laughs> it adds to the rivalry between the Mets and the Nationals. I think it's good for the game, but they're probably friends off the field. But like, I just think it's funny, like the whole rivalry that's been going on during the off season. Um, Noah calling him a douche on tw- on Instagram <laughs> and shit like that. But yeah, well, whatever. But so anyway, um. I think Brian was looking up something really quick. Yeah, I was just looking at your splits on on baseball reference. I'm going through what catchers you threw you threw the best to. Uh just kind of looking through who do who do you think your your uh let's let's give a in a large sample size. Who do you think your highest catcher ERA is? Like minimum the highest minimum 3 games. Minimum 3 games yeah. highest catcher ERA. Yeah. It would have to be whoever caught me against the D-backs that day it was uh I, I think skyrocketed. Um, I'm going to go with, was it in a Met uniform? No, believe it or not. No, so that would have been most games, not totally. Totally, you did, you did pretty well. Totally was 4.5, so that's not bad. That's like the, 4.5. like the meaty part um, of the curve. Give me, give me early or late in the career. Early career. Early career, oof. Uh, think, think, uh, think, think, uh, goalie style catcher's mask, and he was, and he's a world champion. And he's a world champion. It's not, is it Schneider? No. I don't think Schneider got a championship. I don't think so either. You actually threw pretty well. It's crazy this stuff is even able to be looked up. I know, right? This is awesome. (laughs) Let me tell you, when, when I got this job as the analyst, Oh my God! I sat there, and it was funny because I just took that all, all that information. I, same thing you're doing with me right now. I'm in fantasy camp with John Stearns and Buzz Capra, <laughs> and they're going at it. And they're going at it, talking about, "Oh, I used to own you, and I used to." And he's like, "Oh, you never got a hit off me." And he's like, "Yeah, hit at least three bombs off you." And I'm sitting there, and I just pull out my phone. I go to Baseball Reference, and I'm pulling it all up. And I'm like, "All right, he actually hit 220 off you, but he did get you twice." And they're like, "How do you know?" I'm like. I could tell you against everybody. And so we saw some ridiculous, like uh, Buzz Capra owned Dave Winfield. That's and he's amazing. like, oh, yeah. He goes, I could tell you I owned him because I didn't know I owned him that much. You know, so. You know, what's funny with that kind of stuff is like I'm more of the, 
you know, I watch every game. I drink beers. I, I'm not very good with numbers and stats. But Brian here next to me knows everything. Like, we're talking about a game in, like, his first baseball game in whatever year it was in the 80s. He knows, like, the whole the whole game. He knows who pitched, what the score was, how many innings and extra. He knows everything. That just means I have all kinds of brain space, you know, filled where other stuff could have been. Anyway, the guy I was talking about was Damian Miller. Damian Miller. Damian Miller. Oh, yeah. D-backs days, yeah. Dude, you got yeah, – you. I can see that. You pitch well with the – your Mets guys are good. Like, if you – especially you go down, like, the – the um, I don't know when you threw to Todd Pratt, but Todd Pratt pretty good. Oh, man. Todd Pratt, I had the game – I had my rookie on well, my second year in the big leagues. I was with Phillies, and Todd Pratt caught my oh, game right, against yeah. San Francisco where I had the str- – I struck out Bonds and um, was cruising along. Todd was always, you know, big target and – could command that strike zone and he could get the umpire going. He's like, Hey, just stick with me. I'll get him to move off that corner a little bit. And so I was able to paint. He's like, you know what? You remind me a lot of Rick Reed. Just put the ball right where my mid is. I'll get the calls. Don't show any emotion. Don't huff and puff. If they don't give it to us, he goes, we'll keep working on it. And so I had walk bonds my first time against him. And then the next time I went with a kind of that Maddox or the, when everybody knows the Bartolo front door, two seamer, and he pulled his hands up and practiced. Snuck it in and pulled it in for strike three, and uh, you know I I slapped my glove and I was like, oh my god, I just struck out Barry Bonds. I was like pumped. I just couldn't believe. I'm sure, Barry so, was thrilled with that. No, so the, <laughs> the next time, the next time up, of course, I fall behind him, and Todd is like, all right, you know, we're gonna go with that same fastball in, so it gives me sinker in, and I throw it, and then uh, they wound up in McCovey Cove. <laughs> Brian Ernie and Darren Meany talking to Nelson Figueroa. Nelson, so obviously uh, with SMY now. Um, the, the transition from, from ball player to analyst, um, what's the hardest part, and did you have anyone that helped you in a big way to uh, to get to where you are now, I th- which I think you're doing a great job, I should say. Fantastic job on SNY. Um, anybody help you get there? I tell you what, um, it, it was really a, a huge team effort and, and a leap of faith on their part at SNY. I mean, you went from somebody like Bobby Ojeda, who had the job on lock for six years, and set the bar really high for uh, analysts, especially regional network. Uh, this guy knows his P's and Q's. He, he, he had a nice rapport with everyone there. And so for me to kind of just jump in, having no background in anything in, in broadcasting, to uh, for them to have that faith in me and, you know, bring me along slowly, not put a lot on my plate, and then, you know, constantly push me throughout the season to, to – dig deeper, give more examples or, or try and explain it in a way that, you know, every, because you got to realize as a Mets fans, aren't your average fans. You, you can't just sit behind a uh, OPS plus and uh, you know, like some people do in the industry and people are going to be like, yeah, whatever. He still stinks. That's what you're going to get. So you have to be able to show them examples. You got to be able to kind of also explain it in ways that they can relate. So like I just finished saying my two seamer that I used to fashion after Maddox, you know, Nowadays, people didn't really see Maddox. Now, all of a sudden, you say Bartolo's two-seamer. And like, oh, okay, I get it. The one way he throws at the lefty, that comes back. So that that's part of the growing process. But the, the one guy that I've always kind of idolized from afar because of the transition he made was Ron Darling. I mean, to, to see Ronnie and, you know, he went to Yale. And so he always had that Ivy League pedigree. And to be able to use that and, and find ways to – not just tell a story, but tell a story well. Tell, tell a story where it's remembered and, and figure out how to give the fan, you know, everything they're looking for. Because, again, with social media now, the fans have a voice. They let you know. They, they let you know for had. sure. Oh, they, they went, I mean, they went in on me my first, you know, two months. If I stuttered for two seconds, you know, I got the 
gifts of uh, Foghorn and Leghorn on Twitter. You know, like, oh <laughs> yeah, my God, dude, terrible. We're only talking like right now. We're talking to a couple hundred people, but uh, you know, each episode that we put up gets I don't know, like ten thousand views or whatever it is. That's not that many, but you're talking to a lot of people live, you know, on TV every night. So I'm sure there's a lot of pressure with that. But you brought up social media, so I got to bring up, uh, got to bring up my one of my favorite comedians. <laughs> and big Mets fan, Jerry Seinfeld. So when, um, you know, Jesse was, uh, uh, Bobby. you know, Bobby, when Bobby was out and you were in, I think he tweeted something about, I don't know what he wrote, but he wrote something that wasn't in favor of the new guy. And I, and I like that you took right. it in stride and you replied like, hey, give me a shot. You know, you might be surprised or whatever. So I don't know if so- stuff like that kind of gets under your skin or, or uh, get, is extra motivation to succeed, you know? It's a, it's a little bit of both. I mean, of course, I'm a New York kid, so, you know, you come at me, the first reaction is your mama, but I, I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> you, didn't, well, you didn't even have your first day yet. This guy's already, you know, yeah, passionate. Yeah, no, no, that was it. You know, and he had such a huge, iconic Met fan. It was like, all right, I just got to reach out to him. And, you know, when I, I talked to a couple of the people in the PR department of SNY, and I was like, what's what's our deal with, you know, with Jerry? Are, are we cool with Jerry? What's going on? And they're like, no, you know, we've, we've always had a nice relationship with him, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to reach out. And they're like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And I was like, listen, I can handle myself. I'm not just going to, I'm not going to attack him and be like, you're the worst comedian ever. And no, I was like, that's ridiculous. I go, let me reach out to him in a way that he can understand. And I said, you know, you got me over here feeling like an 87 Met, bro. And <laughs> that's where he laughed it off. And he said, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. And he goes, I'm all in on Team Fig. Nice. And that was, yeah, and that was it for me. You know, I kind of turned the tide right away where it was, you know, again, most people get their feelings hurt. They go the wrong way about it. I give guys an opportunity to speak their mind. I've gotten to Twitter battles with, you know, there you go. You got one of the world's most famous comedians. I've gotten to Twitter battles with people who have never played the game. Right, right, but are right. Adv- you know, but are avid fans and, and, you know, feel like, they know it a little bit better than I do. And I might give them a different point of view and I give them a chance to argue theirs. And I say, well, did you ever think about like I had one not too long ago with the whole Wally Backman issue, you know, Wally Backman gets let go and he's talking about being blackballed by the Mets. And this guy was like, you don't understand. Wally should have your job. You're terrible. And I was like, okay, that's (laughs) what everybody can say. So I asked him, I said, I said, look, you're so smart. Why do you think Wally doesn't have a big league job? This isn't like, two years after he finished coaching or managing down in the minors, I was like, this guy's been around for 20 years. What do you think it is? And he's like, he's not a yes man like you. You're towing the company line. And I started laughing and I go, okay, so you're still not answering my question. And I said to him, I, I can tell you right now, this day and age with the, with the way the sabermetrics work and the front offices work hand in hand with the manager and the way that the players are, it's tough to put an old school guy who's very – He's gritty. He's gritty. You can't imagine him getting shown up in a second by anybody else. He's going to want it done his way. And, you know, I said that could rub the team a wrong way. Matt Williams was like that as a player, you know, and you saw what that did with the Nationals. He had a yeah. tremendous team. So it's a, it's a big risk to put somebody who's from that mold into a into nowadays. You see a lot more younger managers that kind of get the nuances of the new style of baseball with the shifts and everything else and and how you know the stats the stats guys play a huge part in it so i I explained it to him and he's like you know what you you you're right and uh then he told me i could hit his kid his son in uh the fantasy camp he gave me permission to at least pitch inside (laughs) you know if you're gonna have a social media account especially be out there and and be in the in the in the public eye you gotta have thick skin and that's just the way it is especially in new york Mm -hmm. he hit the nail on the head there so yeah we're talking to nelson figueroa 
SMI analyst. And we're going to actually hit you with some rapid fire questions. Just, you don't have to put too much thought into it. Just answer the first thing that comes to your head. So I'll let Brian go first here. Yeah, it's this, the topic is 2017 Mets. So let's, so let's hit you with this before, before we let you go. Ready? First player that pops in your head or first guy, whatever. Um, who will surprise us the most in a positive way this season? I'm going to say Travis Darno. I was pulling for him last year, so that's that's a good one. All right, so second one here. What pitcher will, will finish the highest in the Cy Young voting out of out of our guys? Uh, that man-child is just on another level right now. That Noah Syndergaard, man. He's he's a, a, a special specimen, so he kind of gets it. He's already made adjustments to the league, you know, and become a five-pitch pitcher in just a year's time, and he's hungry, man. I love that about him. Michael Conforto, 2017 home run total. Mm, I'm thinking if he gets up for more than three quarters of a season, if he does not start in the big leagues, this kid's got 24, 25 home run power easily in that bat. Hopefully, okay. hopefully he drops some to us out there in the Big Apple Reserve. I but, uh, like that. All right, so uh, who gets called up first, Dom Smith or Amir Rosario? Because of need. See, Cabrera goes down, you got Jose Reyes. You know, you got guys who can play there already. I don't know if they'll rush Ahmed Rosario just yet. I'm thinking more Dom Smith because he's done it for a little while longer at a little bit higher of a level, and he's a corner infield guy, but that's a lot of pressure at first base. We're learning that about first baseman. There's no longer the, uh, the you know, the, the fattest kid on the team gets to stand on first base. It's a big pressure situation with Bruce, you know, not really wanting to be over there either. Um, I don't know. I think both those guys are going to kind of be held back a little bit. I, I, they're not going to be forced into action. I, I can tell you that. It's not going to be a Conforto situation with those guys. So I don't think either – is going to really come up, and and if they come up late, it's because they've already clinched uh, early, and then they'll get a little bit of a taste. I'm excited for both those guys, though, man. They, they, they oh, both, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Future's there, so and, and I support the anti-fat kid movement at first base. So I was, <laughs> I was uh, this was one of my positions. So, all right, last one before I let you go, Nelson. Number of wins for the Mets this season? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be 91. All right. There you go. I, I like, there you go. I, we're going to write like, it down. I think 90 plus 90 plus wins, so I say 91. All right, we're writing that down, man. We're going to we're going to hold you to it. You got it. All right. All right, dude, thank you for your time and, and for everything you've done for the group. You always had our back since since, you know, Indeed. since the start of this. And um I just wish we started earlier so we could have been out there cheering for you when you're still with the team, but yeah, thanks for everything. And you know what? I got to mention super cool of you to come to the tailgate 2 years ago. You brought your family <laughs> down, you came to the tailgate party. Oh, yeah. That was awesome. You you know, you're always always great with the fans, which which goes a long way. So thanks thanks for being cool. No, very important to me, and, and uh, guys like you who uh, really take it to the next level and, and are able to put this group together to go traveling. That's big for uh, the team. Let me tell you, when you play in front of fans who are passionate and, and they care, uh, I, I think you know I I try to explain to a lot of people, you know, the tenth man matters. You, you gotta. Think of what the Seahawks were before they started doing the 12th man. Totally. You know, that 12th man matters. It makes everybody want to, you know, give a little bit more. And that buzz, that energy, man, we as players, we feed off that. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate everything that you guys bring to the table. And like you said, I, I brought family members from Puerto Rico during the Subway Series, and I had them sit with you guys. <laughs> and uh, they had the time of their lives. Even though one was a Yankee fan, he said he converted because you guys were so awesome. There you go, man. Awesome. So thank you for your time. We're looking forward to a great season watching you on SNY and uh, we'll talk to you soon, dude. Thank you.
Sounds good, brother. Take nope. care. Have a good night. Thanks, Nelson. Nelson Figueroa of SMY, former New York Mets pitcher. Dude, I love that guy, man. He's just such a such a great, affable, nice person. I mean, yeah, dude, he came to the tailgate party, and um, you know, obviously, everyone wants to take the get a photo taken, sure. take a selfie, whatever. And he took it in stride, and um, super nice of him to 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 take his time out of his day to do that. And then also last year, spring training outing on the berm, he came to hang out after he did his his duties. You know, yeah. in the morning. He's got a City Field Chase scarf too. I oh, hear. does he? That's what That's I hear. Cool. That's cool. That's yeah. Shout out to those guys. So um. We're going to get to our voicemails of the week, and now that we're done with the interview, I feel a little bit more laid back. I might just have a sip You feel a little bit more laid back because you had, like, a quart of beer. That's why you feel a little bit more laid back. Dude, and I also said on – and I was like, oh, and you replaced Jesse or Roscoe on it. Yeah, well, okay. Like, no, I Bobby. Got you. I got you. Yeah, you picked me you. up. Thank you. So uh, we're going to get to this first one here. We've been getting a couple voicemails from this guy named Rally Man. Rally Man. It's the first I'm hearing of Rally Man, but he sent us a few this week, and we uh, we picked one out. So here's the first one here. So let me raise our levels here. For he a sent us a few. He sent a few. Hey, Darren. Hey, Brian. This is Rally Man from Section 515. Personally, I don't believe in booing my own players or even players that left on good terms, like Dan Murphy. Um, what do you guys feel? Uh, do you have different principles? a great one i do not boo my own players neither do i i i think it's i no offense to anybody who does well i guess take a little bit of offense to it because i'm about to call it bullshit but i think it's bullshit man i, I it doesn't make people try any harder you know players aren't going to want to perform better because you're booing them in fact they're more likely to flip you off and be like i'm a millionaire <laughs> fuck you guys Deal you know it. what i mean like i don't i just i, I think it's just so useless uh, why, why not support these guys yeah i mean harvey was getting it last year obviously i think the in recent memory the guy who got it the worst was jason bay but yeah. um i don't know who else out there may have gotten look booed, at but... what happened with beltron he got mercilessly booed no five because he put a lot of pressure on himself he was hurt <laughs> all year then oh six remember piazza got booed he, mike piazza got booed but remember when beltron didn't want to take the curtain call in 06, oh, early yeah, yeah, in 06. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, think, I can't remember who went over to it. Yeah, it was like Delgado or somebody. somebody. Was like, come, and it was like, come on, dude, there. dude, dude, trust me. Just do it. And that changed Beltron's relationship with Mets fans. Obviously, I know the, the strikeout at the end of 06 always taint it for some people. But, I mean, Beltron's probably, honestly, the best position player to ever play for the franchise. Yeah, I mean, you know what it is? Last year we had our, like, uh, mid-season meeting at McFadden's, and we weren't, like, making guidelines or rules for mm -hmm. the seven-line army, but people were asking, like, do you guys do this? Do you do that? Like, no, we don't do the wave. Yeah. I don't I don't boot players. If you want to do it, go ahead. I mean, I'm not going to do it. But, uh, that's um, you know, everyone has their you know, has their right to do whatever the hell they want in a baseball game. You pay good money to go to a game. You can do whatever the hell you want. But, like, I don't boo them. You don't boo them. But you can do whatever you want. So, to Rally Man, I'm interested in seeing what Rally Man is. I, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know. We got to get the Rally Man If he has experience. an outfit, if yeah. he wants to come hang out with us out in the outfield. But yeah. uh, shout out to Rally Man. Thanks for uh, watching and, and sending us your questions. We'll get to some of your other ones next week. Rally Man. All right. So, up next. Ted from Park Slope, Brooklyn. My question is, is everybody talking positive about David possibly coming back from the shoulder impingement in order to show the insurance company that they're really trying to get him back on the field before they try to cash in on this policy and recoup the $15 million? And how long does Sandy take before he starts to spend that $15 million in other ways, knowing that he's going to be getting it back from the insurance company? Thanks, God. I'll be listening. I think he said, thanks, God, at the end of that. That's okay. Yeah, uh, whatever. So you, thanks you to can, God. You can call me but, that. But um, I, I cut off the beginning of that. But that's Teddy Ted 
from uh, from Brooklyn. So he, he mis- wants to know about uh, he David misspoke. Wright. I've misspoken. I called some guy, uh, some somebody's wife, the other uh, last episode that I was really embarrassed about. So <laughs> I don't even know. What, honestly, the um, I don't know too much about the insurance policy stuff to really make a statement on that without okay. sounding like a complete idiot. No. So you just he, looked it up? No, no. I'm just looking up his his total because I'm just pretty sure that his salary is actually more than twenty million, uh, more than fifteen million this year. It's twenty million, and it is for the next. Uh, two seasons, then it goes down to 15 and 12 million, which I can tell you for a fact that because I know for a fact was David's idea. He didn't want to be paid, overpaid in the last years of his contract when he figured he wouldn't be as productive, um, which is why he got paid 20 million in these in these five years where he figured he would be highly productive. If it wasn't for the health, he probably would be. And then he figured that you know it would go down 15, 12 to help the team spend. I know that for a fact. So. Um, Uh, How it works is they can recoup up to 75% of his salary once he misses 60 straight days, I believe. Um, So, And they've collected insurance on him before, and there's no reason for them to be optimistic. It's not like a Lloyds of London policy where, like, wrestlers in the 80s would take out on themselves and then, like, collect on it when they got hurt or something like that. It's not not like that. So it's just a matter of if he's physically unable to perform, which is once you put him on the DL, that's the deal – they start collecting after I think sixty days. I could be mistaken, but um, no, there's no reason to be optimistic. I think they're just trying to be optimistic so that got to be prepared. You yeah, know what I mean, you got it. Like at this point, and they are. Yeah, and you know what it is like the kind of thing with him. He he's a warrior. He wants to be out there. He wants that ring. I think a lot of Mets fans want to see him get that ring, but. At the cost of not walking again, I don't think it's worth it. I mean, I'm not saying I, I'm I don't have his phone number, but like text the guy, be like, hey, hang it up. You know, nobody could tell no. him what to do as an athlete and as a man, um, what to do with his career. So I have no idea what's what the future holds for David Wright. I know he's going for a second opinion. I don't even know what a shoulder impingement is. Um, I'm not a doctor, and I saw there was an article in like the Post or the Daily News about. A uh, shoulder expert who is talking about that. Listen, if you didn't examine the guy, I think it's 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 kind of bad. He could form. also be just overcompensating for his other injuries, and that's what's making his shoulder flare up. Who knows? We'll like a couple of weeks ago, when when they got the camp, he was taking grounders on his knees. I mean, I, everything he's doing is so unconventional now that I'm, the rest of his body's probably freaking out. But they have the depth, and they have spent enough. It's not like they didn't spend because they were going to spend on Dave. They were spending the twenty million on right. They resigned Cespedes, Blevins. Salas, all these guys, right? So they brought all these guys back, the same teams back. It's not like they skimped because of right. So, I mean, I, let the guy see what he can do. And if he can do it, he can do it great. And he's a, such an invaluable clubhouse presence that if they can get anything out of David Wright, they should try. Yep. So one more here. Actually, he's getting double duty. Two shout-outs tonight. He asked the question for Figgy, and he's asking one to us too as well. Oh, okay. So here we go. All right. What's up, Brian? What's up, Darren? This is Justin, a.k.a. Brew. question I got for you guys is, since spring training is just starting up and my first trip ever is just around the corner, what should be the number one thing on my Mets to-do list while I'm out there? Uh, drink 30 rum buckets. and <laughs> I was going to say, it probably no, obviously, is. number one is go to the games, right. obviously. Which I mean, he'll do, because I know one. he's got tickets to the outing. Um, Just have fun. Enjoy it. I mean, my first trip down to spring training, I went solo. I didn't know anyone. It was like the second year of the seven line, and uh, I spent two weeks down there. I drove by myself and got a hotel and stayed for two weeks, and by the end, it, it got pretty boring, but soak it in. Yeah. Don't just go for the games. Go for the experience. Check out the ballpark. Go in the backfields if you can. I mean, I don't know if they're open during the week, but check out the minor league uh, side of, of camp. And if you if you can get there early before the games start, like right when players um, report, you can go in the backfields and, and just be up close and personal and watch 
the training. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know that Justin's coming with us next weekend, so that's probably not going to be an option. But um, there's not that much to do there. So if you are coming with us, then go to the, go to the game, go to Duffy's, hang out with us Friday the, before the game. We, we rented the place out. We're going to do that whole bowling bowling thing. But I don't know if there's any like top things to do in this in in the town. No, I think I think uh, a few things you can do is like Darren alluded to. If obviously I know Justin's going with with the group, but if you want to ever get there before games start, like next year, and book a trip to try to kind of coincide with just plain workout days. Those are great access days for players and everything. I don't know if anybody's into autographs, but you can get autographs, you can get pictures. Um, so that's an option. Um, I would say if you're just there on a regular game day, man, just go in, watch BP, hang out. Like you guys are going to get into the stadium early. Yeah, we're getting in an hour early. Actually. So that's awesome. And we don't get to do that a lot because the tailgate during the regular season. So just, just go watch BP and hang yeah, out. Yeah, th- th- that's going to be the tailgate. And you know what's funny? Yeah. You know Mike, big Mike. I do. Um, I told Mike if he can catch – a batting practice home run in a rum bucket and then drink the rum bucket, uh-huh. I'm going to give him 100 bucks. All right. So he says he's going to do it. I mean, like, honestly, during batting practice, that's, that's, that's home, real, home, home, home run central out there in right field where the berm is. So don't, hurt, don't hurt yourself, Mike. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't. Uh, I'll have the 100 in my pocket, Mike. So if you do it, uh, just walk over to me with the ball in the, in the rum and, <sighs> and, and I'll give you the 100 bucks. So we're going to move along to our breaking news of the week. And this is big which stuff. Which I'm very, very excited about. It's probably the biggest breaking news we've had on the show yet, right? Yeah, I think so. Probably. But before I say it, I'm going to drink this beer. All right. I'll just sit here while you drink your beer. At least you're not dribbling all over yourself like last time. Damn, that's good. <laughs> all right, cool. So, breaking news of the week. So, our buddy Nick... He sits in section 142, which is closest to the apple. He got these baseball cards made after last season and dropped it off at the warehouse. And, and I forgot to post it on Facebook until like a couple weeks ago. But you can use the Topps custom card. Um, it's kind of like you know Nike ID. You can make your own right. sneakers, whatever. Topps does the same thing for baseball cards. So I posted this photo, and a lot of fans thought that we make baseball cards now, but we don't. I kind of was like... I wasn't purposely um, misleading. Yeah, misleading in the comment, but I didn't really explain what this was. So anyway, he made cards, dropped them off to the warehouse, and then I actually posted on Facebook. I'm like, hey, if you're interested in um, maybe seeing real baseball cards from Topps, maybe if you share and like this or whatever, we could start the conversation. So we did start the conversation, and breaking news is that we are teaming up with. Damn, I can't get this down off the screen here because I've been drinking too much beer. But we're teaming up with Tops, nice. and Tops is actually going to be making cards for us. Um, how do I? Did I totally screw this up? This is like huge breaking news, and there we go. All right, taking that out of here. Yeah. So we are teaming up with Tops, which is huge. So I, I hit Tops up. We started the convo, and what we're going to do is Drea, who is our staff photographer, who yeah. shoots our all, all of our photos. She puts together our calendar and comes to all of our outings. We are going to come out with our own baseball cards. Awesome. And I, I kind of never thought, you know, growing up as a kid, I don't collect cards anymore. But, you know, opening up that fresh pack of cards and seeing my favorite guys and collecting and sharing with my friends and all that, that we our group would eventually be a part of the Tops family and, and have our own cre- uh, credit cards, our own baseball cards. Yeah. So what's going to happen is our first card is going to come out after spring training. Dre is going to shoot a photo of our group on the berm. We're going to work with Tops and turn that over. And all the details haven't exactly been figured out yet as far as 
we're going to get them, but you're probably going to get them through us and our website. And we're only going to make each card once, kind of like how we do with like a limited edition release of whatever, a hat, a t-shirt, whatever. Sure. So we're going to make a limited edition amount of each card available on our website, and we're going to do it all season. So what they do is also is Tops has a, a really good system, not a system, a good program called Tops Now. So big moments that happen like Bartolo's home run or you know someone throws a no-hitter or whatever, they come out with a special card to commemorate the day. So um, they also have the custom card option. So mm-hmm. Tops Now... They release new cards every day during the season, celebrating the best moments and top plays. Cards are available for only 24 hours, and they're printed and shipped in three to five days. So obviously the, the baseball card game has changed dramatically since we were kids. You know, mm-hmm. um, Access and turnaround time and, and the marketing with social media has changed everything, changed the game you know, tremendously. But those cards are only available exclusively on Tops.com, and the shipping is also free. But anyone interested in the custom card option... I was talking to the Tops guys about it, and you know, as long as you own the photo, I mean, you can't just go to Google Images and grab something and start making your own baseball cards. But um, you can get those in packs of eight for only nine ninety nine. So go to Tops.com and check it out. It's on the top of the of the screen there. Um, but it's probably I'm, like a cool wedding favor, yeah, or anything, like, yeah, or a kid's birthday stuff. That's yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, Media Goon actually made one when he threw out the first pitch at City Field. I mean, obviously, we had one of our group that that Nick made. Shout out to Nick. Thank you for even the idea. That's how this whole thing started. But I'm just super excited for what's to come out of this because I know Dre is a super talented photographer. She's been with us for a few years now. She comes to all the games and puts together our calendar. So I text her about this after she saw like the, the card that Nick made. She's like, wait a minute. Is that my photo? Like, why is my photo on a baseball card? I was like, no, no, no. It's just a custom process. Like, you know, photographers take that stuff very seriously. You can't just, you know, use someone's photo without credit. So um, I hit her up about this. I'm like, hey, you want to make some baseball card? And she wrote back like, fuck yeah. Or like something, something very enthusiastic. (laughs) So um, shout out to Drea. Great work. And um, I'm super excited about this. Awesome news. Really, really exciting. I, I still want my bubble gum though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's not going to come with bubblegum. Um, uh, and I don't, I'm not exactly sure yet if they're going to be numbered. This is still like a pretty fresh in the, in the planning. But uh, I spoke to the guys you know, yesterday. I think I was on the phone with them yesterday the day before. And I'm like, hey, um, is this going on? Is this definitely happening? And they're like, yeah, it's in. So that's why like, on my Twitter account, I wrote, like, you know, got off a very interesting phone call. Going to break some news on, um, on the show this week. So Very cool. That's yeah. awesome. It's exciting not only for the brand, but for Drea. I mean, I'm excited for her, Oh, yeah, too. the back of the card, we can write whatever we want. That's so the awesome. back of the card will say, you know, let, let's say, for instance, I mean, I don't know if – I actually thought about this the other day. I didn't talk to the to Tops about it yet, but we can come out with stuff like 2015 series, like some – like maybe 15 cards about the run through the playoffs. And then, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a series from last year and include the, the, the parade in San Diego, you know, and the well, back of the card could say what it's from and then photo by Dre. You know what I mean? So it, it's really cool. A world champion series for 2017. Uh, yeah, I hope so. But were you big on baseball cards? Uh, I was. My dad had a lot of baseball cards. My dad collected uh, a annual like set from, I don't know if it was Topps or, I think it was Topps. It was like Topps and Fleer and all yeah, those guys. Yeah, Dunross and all those guys. But I'm pretty sure he collected the Topps set from every year and he used to have them in these big things. Um, and when I was a kid, I used to have binders, big binders of, I had one whole Barry Bonds binder and then my Mets binder. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I was I was a big baseball card kid, and um, it's interesting to see where the industry's moved. So this is exciting. It's so. You much got any fun. beers left over there? I, I have. I have a. Yeah, pass it under the table over here. I have. But a, yeah, shout out to Drea. Shout out to Tops. Thank you for everything, guys. And I can't wait to get this uh, this new partnership going. Yeah. 
should be I awesome. I think that the first card, their turnaround time, like you, like you see in their in their tops now and their custom card uh, program, it's only three to five days. So spring training art, spring training outing is next Saturday, the 11th. Mm-hmm. So Drea is, you know, her camera I think might even have like Bluetooth on it. So she sends me photos that she shoots shoots at the tailgate like mm-hmm. immediately. She's like, oh, turn on your phone, turn on your uh, what do they call that? Like uh, mail drop, not mail drop. Whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Turn that on and she sends me photos like immediately. So I think that we can get the photo over to Tops, but like that night. And then maybe by the next weekend, we might already have our first baseball card. Cool. So I think we're we're on to something cool here. And thanks for Top. Thanks to Tops for uh, working on this with us. And we're just super excited to get it going. So. Definitely. Um, we're going to end the show, as we always do, with some Facebook questions. Yeah. If there are any. We're going to ramble here for a second. And we're about an hour 12 in, which is, you know, pretty good shape here. Uh, we don't try to keep it too long. We know, it, you know, us sitting here drinking beers and rambling could get a little boring, but it could not get boring. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. We're, we should, like, auction off a, a spot to sit here and watch us drink beers and ramble. You know what was funny? The first, before we actually had a set, like, this is in my basement, but uh, before we had this set i thought maybe there'd be more space behind us so i was telling Shiro, i was like you should sit behind us with a chalkboard and just drink all episode and keep a chalkboard tally like just drink beer and just write a one write a two you could be like our tony reality you could be like our fact checker wasn't there something like back like adam carolla and those guys they had a show wasn't there some guy just sat there and drank i think so what was that called the band band show show, yeah i mean i I never watched it but she was big on that so uh if we got any any facebook questions here otherwise we're going to wrap it up but um robert rivera wants to know what hat you're wearing um, the batter, old school batter from Shea Stadium, covering up my my uh, my thinning hair here. This is my last go at growing my hair. Yeah, I'm out. This Sorry, man. I'm not going to show where I'm thinning. Yeah, my no, hair, it's, but... it's only right here in the front. And uh, I say to people like, "Would you rather be like thinning in the back or thinning in the front?" And they usually say they'd rather be thinning in the front, which is kind of stupid. Because it, no, you know, no, no, for sure. Really. Because I'm thinning right at the top here, and it's annoying. It's really, really annoying. You know what it is? I haven't cut my hair since the Mets were in the World Series. Yeah. And I said to people in the section and friends or whatever, I was like, listen, I'm not cutting my hair till the Mets are back in the World Series. So that could be a while. but nah, six months. I mean, if, if they do it this year, even if they don't do it this year, I'm going to just cut it and donate it because it's, it's getting pretty crazy. Nick Fritschi wants to know, what do, you, what do we miss most about Shea Stadium? Um, sitting in the Pepsi picnic area for a, a can, a can of soda. I think it was Wednesdays or something. You could show up and get into the stadium for free. Yeah, something like that. So, you know, you would go to the deli or the bodega or whatever on the mm-hmm. way there, slam a $1 Pepsi or pour it out if you don't drink soda and get into the stadium for free. So I saw the Mets, I think it was 99 wild card. Is that when they got the wild card? 99, well, they got the wild card 99, 2000. So yeah. it, I think it was 99 or 2000. I was a, a student at Nassau Community College and I was in the photography department. Or department photography, you know, classes, whatever. And I did a whole series of photos at Shea, mm-hmm. and there was like something like Jay Payton for MV, uh, Rookie of the Year, whatever. There was a whole bunch of different like photos of that night, and it was also the the Shea Stadium scoreboard said like congratulations, just clinched the wild card. I think it was two thousand maybe, but I saw that game for the cost yeah. of a Pepsi against the Braves. Yeah, yeah, dude, you know everything. Two thousand. So, yeah, because well, I mean, they played the wild card game in ninety nine in Cincinnati, but I was also there that night. So oh, see, dude, we, we, we may have crossed, crossed paths. paths. Um, I miss most about Shea Stadium, I guess, my, my seats, my Sunday seats in the Loge with my dad. Yeah, I never – at Shea, I mean, uh, Kelly and I had the, the seven-game package. I think it was like 2007 or 2006 or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Shea, I, 
I think what I miss most about it is that's where I grew up watching baseball. Yeah. So that's where I learned the game. My yeah. grandfather worked there, so I was there like so many times. Did, remember I texted you like how many games I've been to? Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. Like, I, I oh, you keep... know what I miss most about Shay? I'm sorry to, to step on you on this. This. This is actually what I miss most about Shay. The <laughs> throwback Rams. t-shirt. We don't sell those anymore. Throw, throwback shirt from 2011. Um, for but I do actually miss the Rams. The Rams. I used were to great. love when you'd come out after a huge win. Let's go Mets chance or like mocking the Atlanta the Braves. Echo on the chopper. Rams. The echo oh, so good. And walking down the Rams after the game was a, was a riot. It was so yeah. much fun. You know, people hitting the signs and stuff and just cheering and going crazy, especially after a win. But you know, after a loss, it was kind of depressing. But you know, because it would take forever to kind of get out. Yeah. yeah. But um. Yeah, I mean, Shea was where I learned the game, and I, I loved it. But, yeah, I think I text you. I don't have it in front of me, but I've been to, like, a 1,000 baseball yeah, games. Yeah, it's, it's over. You know, we did the math, and then we figured you were like, oh, I see the uh, the numbers went down a little bit after the baby was yeah. born. So, yeah, the Suffolk baby, County slash the baby. Yeah, slash... move to Suffolk, have a baby, yeah. only go to, like, pretty much the outings, and then, the you know. So I'm still going to, like, 20-plus games a year. So that's a pretty decent amount. That's amount. Good. But good. when the brand first started, um, and I lived literally, like, a couple miles from the stadium, I was at over 80 games a year when you add up all the away ones as mm -hmm. well. I don't know if you want to count spring training, but like Major League Baseball games, I was at probably at 85, yeah. 85 games a year. Because I'd go to Subway Series, I'd go down to Philly, I'd go to D.C. You know, I was going to a lot of baseball games. It's a lot of baseball, but that's some good time. I wrote it a few years ago um, on Twitter, and someone was like, that's bullshit. There's no way you went to that many baseball games. I'm like, well, dude, like, add it up, you know? From from when I was a kid and I was going to like Everybody's 20 always got to... <sighs> Anyway. <laughs> um, all right, two things before we get out of here. All right, it's it's uh, housekeeping, seven line stuff. All right, tomorrow Every, everybody's asking this. No, no, no. Oh, the, you got some other stuff. Yeah, I do. Okay, go ahead. DC buses. Uh, Everybody wants to know. You no, know, it's funny. Bauer hit me up today. Like, any news on the DC buses? Yeah, one him and in, Indart. Everybody's oh, asking. But yeah. um, Bauer wrote on Twitter at the seven line. Any news on DC buses? And I just wrote back yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, Bauer. No, there is news, but it's not ready to be announced yet. We are gonna have. Buses leaving from City Field. That's already a definite. I worked it out with the team. And there is going to be a bus leaving from somewhere in central New Jersey. Okay. So a lot of fans were saying last year or whatever, whenever we started doing the bus trips, if they live in Jersey, they're not going to drive to Queens to get on the bus to pass their house. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be a pickup location in New Jersey. That's a definite. City Field's a definite. Um, we're just working out the pricing and all that other stuff. But it's 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 happening. It's, it's, and, it's... and it doesn't sell out. Like. We can, right. we can sell as many buses as we need, so there's no really like rush to buy the tickets right. for that yet. It's so happening. The, it's happening. The details are you coming. have a spot. Don't worry about it. If you watched a few episodes back and you saw the cooler races, it's happening again. Yep. Just make sure you get on the bus with a bunch of people carrying the coolers. Uh, if you're you know, a family man or you have kids or whatever, there are buses that are more chill and more quiet. So don't worry about it. The buses are happening. And uh, everybody's talking about the SI documentary. Let's just plug the party for a second. It's Saturday, March 18th at Mulcahy's in Wontaw on Long Island um, for at 6 o'clock. It's 6 right? to 9. Six They're to actually, nine. I only found, found out this yesterday. It's going to open, the door's going to open at 5 just okay. to get people in. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be a, a, quite a process to get in and, and all that stuff. So doors open at 5. Open bar st starts at 6. From 6 to 9, open bar. And it also includes a buffet dinner. So 40, you're not doing $40. Yeah, you're not doing anything on a Saturday night for 40 bucks. You know, all you could drink and dinner included. So obviously that also includes um, the viewing, the first look of the Sports Illustrated documentary, which we had Josh on last week from Sports Illustrated. It's uh, SI Now 
uh, not SNL, SI Films documentary. It's called Loyal to the Last Out, which actually they let us put a po- like a poll on Orange and yeah. Blue thing to decide the name of it. So it's, One it's called overwhelmingly, Loyal. Overwhelmingly, yeah. Yeah, it was like 65% yeah. of the vote. But uh, that was our first ever T-shirt at an outing. It said Loyal to the Last mm-hmm. Out. So it kind of makes sense. So the documentary came out. I hope awesome. I've only seen snippets of it. I told Josh initially, he texted me and he's like, I'll show you a, you know, you can get a, a preview before the actual premiere, but I don't want to see it. I've seen pieces of it and I don't want to like spoil it for myself. I want to watch it for the first time surrounded by everybody. And so, speaking of that's the first time we're going to see it, obviously the premiere, but it's a full, we, it's a full length documentary. But, People but, think it's like a short thing. No, it's no. like, it's going to eventually be on TV. I don't know when it's going to be on Thank TV. Thank you. That's, that's the other question everybody's asking. Yeah, so when you, can out of towners see it? We don't you, know yet. If you can't make the party, you're still going to be able to watch the thing. They didn't right. spend this much time and resources for and money and for like a thousand people to watch yeah. the thing. So it's going to eventually be on TV. I don't know when. So this is just like a cool red carpet first look premiere party yeah. for us. So if you're out of town and you're w- wondering when you can see the documentary, you'll see it. We, we don't know yet. Nobody Eventually. knows yet. It's it, We don't know. They spend a ridiculous amount of money on this thing. So you'll trust um, me, you'll have plenty of And it's an hour long. It's yeah. not like you're, you're going to spend time to go to Mulcahy's and watch a, a 10-minute web video. It's right. a, it's an hour-long documentary. So I'd show up just for the open bar. The we got the red carpet. I hit up uh, – Mulcahy's actually hit me up. They're so pumped on this. They have um, – Seven flagpoles out front that they use for whatever. They're like, we're going to put seven line flags out there. Nice. We're going to have orange and blue stuff everywhere, light, up lights, um, you know, balloons, the whole nine yards. And, you know, everyone that works there is going to be decked out in mask gear. So, like, it's going to be a really, really cool fun night. And the guys who own the place have ticket plans with us. So, with us, yeah. So, this is, these are some of our own throwing it. So, it's, it's not, not like, like, it's, like it's th- not going to be a crappy thing. This is going to be like a le- real legit. Well, not only that, we get fun. so many emails about. From random bars, like they hear about the group, they see the press we get, they see the crew at City Field, and like, how can I cash in on this? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's every day. Yeah. Like Lizzie, Lizzie will tell you, like, hey, we heard about you, we want to invite invite you to our bar and have a party. And I'm like, listen, like, thank you, but we want to work with people who are down with us since they're part of the crew or they're Mets fans or mm-hmm. whatever. You know what I mean? And these guys are season ticket holders with us in the crew. Yeah. So it just makes sense for us to be there. The venue is huge. Mulcahy's is really fun. It's been around forever. I think on the show on Kevin can wait, I think, um, yeah. Kevin James's character says he so met his wife Mul- at Mulcahy's. Mulcahy's. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, whatever. Mulcahy's is fun. So anyway, Monday there's 850 tickets. Uh, it's, it's kind of randomly worked out. That that's how many seats we have in the big apple reserve. Uh, the place holds a thousand. So obviously sports illustrated and, my parents and the seven line army staff and you and whoever um, will be on like a list of fans above the 850 so they can hold a thousand, I guess, mm-hmm. legally. So, eight, so 850 tickets will go up on Monday. Go to moles.com, M U L S.com, only 40 bucks. Set an alarm. It's going to go up at noon. Um, there are a few tickets left for the St. Saint, uh, Louis outing. If you go to the website and the, you pick those up before they sell out. Uh, once we hit 1,000, I'm pretty confident we will. A Mets fan is going to throw out a ceremonial first pitch it's at St. Awesome. Louis. It's awesome. Which I think is unbelievable that they're actually going to allow that. Um, and then also tomorrow, I brought something here for your son. Hopefully he fits in it. Ooh. If you're watching this afterwards, you have no idea what I'm about to hold up. Yeah. But these are available tomorrow. These little baby onesies, the Seven Line Army logo right there. So we have 11 different sizes of kids gear now, from zero to three months up to youth extra large. Will he still fit in that? 
it's zero to three. Zero to three. If not, I'll get. I'll bring you one next week. Three to six. He's, but he's a, he's a big boy. Yeah. So whatever. I'll bring big you one boy. next week. It was a thought That's that awesome. counts. Thought Thank that you. counts. No, it's very awesome. Um. Yeah. So we got a lot of stuff going up tomorrow. All the kids' stuff is being restocked tomorrow, and then Tuesday. Seattle tickets go up. They're only 63 bucks a piece. Yeah, everybody's been asking about that. I think Seattle is going to be the most popular one of the year For as sure. far as like demand and buzz. Um, nothing, Not shitting on St. Louis like uh, Piazza did, but Seattle just seems like more of a destination spot. Yeah, everybody wants to go to Seattle. Everybody wants to go to those far-off destinations where they want to see anyway. Yeah, so, so that's Tuesday, um, 8 p.m., 63 bucks. Um I'm pretty sure people are excited about that one. So anything else you want to talk about? No, that's it, man. I think I think we're good. I mean, we're almost at an hour and a half here, so it's probably time to wrap up. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to Episode 10 of Orange and Blue Thing. For Darren Meenan, I am Brian Ernie. Thanks for hanging out with us this Thursday evening. We will be back with you next week at a special time. I think we're not going to have to do Tuesday. Tuesday. That's okay with you. I'm fine with that. Wednesday, I'm going to spring training. Yes. So I think we got to get this in on Tuesday. When, Wednesday, Darren's off to Port St. Lucie. I will be here in the cold. But on Tuesday, we're still going to bring you the show. A special night um, at Tuesday night, 6 o'clock next week. We will be with you. And then next week, we'll be back on Thursday. And we're going to wrap it all up and put a bow on the Port St. Lucie trip, and we'll, at that point, only be about two weeks away from opening day. So we'll see you next Tuesday, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Rate, subscribe, like, all that stuff. Share the show. Later, dudes. This is going to be the first time I don't actually try to say something after you. That's it. That's all right, guys. Thank you. Let's go Mets. Excited for the season. See you guys later. Let's go Mets, baby. And thank you, Nelson Figueroa. Yes, thank you, Nelson Figueroa. And, uh... <laughs> and other things other things many other I just things. want to get the last word okay bye other things bye <laughs> <laughs>